Welcome to Better Family Travel with Amy and Kathleen, the podcast where we'll help you plan fun, enriching, and affordable experiences for you and your family that meet your goals. We'll ask ourselves hard questions, reveal our mistakes, and share a new perspective on what better family travel can look like for you. Whether you're a seasoned traveler or your journeys are just starting, you're a better family traveler just by tuning in. Better Family Travel. This is Kathleen Monroe with Amy DeCesare, and we're kind of moving along on a theme that we've gotten ourselves on um, unexpectedly, but I'm really enjoying this. We're, We're talking to a lot of women who have businesses or endeavors or passions um, that they're starting to turn into hobbies and careers and side gigs. And some of us are, you know, learning from each other about how to publish and how to start organizations. And it's just been amazing to talk to these women about their experiences. And it all really ties back to travel. So tonight I have my colleague, Tammy Wench is here with us. She works at school with me. Um, So we do have our day jobs, but... I brought Tammy on because she has a really interesting story about the side gig. So welcome, Tammy. Thank you for coming to talk to us tonight. When we were getting ready for this, I did some research and I was looking at some of your videos and there's so many ways that you touch on travel and a whole lifestyle. A lot of things that I've been thinking about my life. So I'm really excited to talk to you about travel, but let's start with your channel. So you have a YouTube channel. Could you tell us about it? Yes. Um, so I started the YouTube channel for the one of the side gigs. It's uh, I call it How Do I Move To? It's for people who want to travel or who want to like either digital nomads or people who want to become an expatriate and move abroad or people who just want to travel slow for periods of time. And it's to help them find out which country would best fit their lifestyle and things that they're looking for. Sure. And you used a term there, and I think it's a term of art, and I'd love to define it for our listeners. Slow travel is not regular travel. What what do you mean by slow travel? By slow travel, um, it's like when you go to, say, a city, say I want to go to Vienna, and instead of just, you know, getting in there and staying there for two or three days and doing a whirlwind tour around the city, you might stay for a whole month or two months or three months and just take your time really getting the feel of the city and getting, you know, to know it and to know, like find your favorite bakery and maybe become a regular there and just like almost learning what it would be like to live there. That's a term that people use, slow travel. I had never heard of that before. Yeah. So I I think um, there's a whole community out there and my guess is Tammy follows it just from what she's done. The, uh, The idea of being a digital nomad where you can work from with computers and technology and being tied in that. And I think COVID has just accelerated that for so many of our jobs. And one wouldn't have thought teaching, but who knows, that's in in the, you know, in there too, that we're not tied to location. And once we're not tied to location, it can work from anywhere. The world really does open up to us. And what, you know, YouTube channels like Tammy is how to live to or how to move to different places become really relevant for so many of us who might have only dreamed of these things, but now might have an opportunity where you don't have to say, when I retire, the idea of retiring and just going or going for a week, a different experience for travel 
to travel, to work, slow travel, to really experience it. Kathleen, I think we talked about it with uh, Amy when she went to Australia, right? About going to grocery stores, right? There's something about going to a grocery store in a different place that makes you feel partly connected to it, I think, where you see how it's different, but also how you function there. And so we've, we've kind of, Tammy, we've kind of talked about this on, on our past episodes, but how, how did you get interested in, in how to move to different places? Have you lived in another country before? I have lived, um, I spent a semester in Paris, in France, in college, and mm-hmm. loved it. And I travel as often as I can, which isn't often enough. Like I said, two summers ago, I spent six weeks solo traveling through Italy. And, you know, when east to west or west to east and then down to the south and then up to the north and met a lot of fun people and you know took some different trips and all that within there and and it's just i i feel more i feel very at home in europe and i'd like to spend a lot more of my time there how did you decide where to go for those six weeks did you do all the planning on your own was it some agency organized was a little bit of both um, mostly I did um, my own travel. Like I, I just decided, well, I wanted to see, you know, I flew into Rome because I got a good, really good flight. And then I wanted to see the Adriatic coast because I had be, I had once spent to Venice years ago, but I wanted to go further south and then down to the heel of the boot. So I just found towns and, and looked at different places and decided, yeah, let's go there. And I, you know, would go for three to four days at a time and so I, you know, I get a little bit of a feel of the city before moving on and everything I did. I just, thankfully everything's online. I used um, booking.com to book all my hotels and I use, there was a rail app for in Italy that I used and I just booked all my train fares and reservations on that and just got up and went. So did it take a little courage at first to be like, I'm going to do this, right? Because it's awesome. And I, I now, tra- you know, I travel on my own, mostly through work. And it, it's an art form. And I actually I don't mind it. I actually, you know, I love traveling with my, my family. I love traveling with my husband. I love traveling with my friends. And each is a different experience. But there's a part of me that I, I do enjoy some solo travel. But it, it takes a new mindset too to, you know, go through as one in when people are not expecting the world is not always made for the solo traveler. For instance, watching your luggage when you need to go to the bathroom and leave, not leave your luggage unattended at the airport. That is a trickle, you know, to, to try to get the stuff in the, you know, the stall and everything else. So there are trips, you know, tips and tricks and everything else. But but can you talk a little bit about your mindset before you started off on your first solo trip? Was it something you had to kind of talk yourself into? We were like, there's no holding me back. How did you approach that? Working as a teacher, we have the summers, I, I wanted to say off, but, it, you know, they're, you're still always thinking about it. But I was able, I had the time and I had the money and I didn't have any responsibilities at the time. Um, no familial responsibilities or anything like that. So I just was like, well, you know what, go. None of, and I had invited people and some people were, you know, oh, okay, maybe I'll come meet you for a week. Or, you know, and I, you know, I told everybody I knew, all my friends, come if you want. I'd love to have you. If you don't, I'm going anyway. Mm-hmm. And it turned out, you know, nobody could make it. So, so it, it, it I, you do, you kind of have to give yourself a little pep talk and keep going, but there were other things I could do. So about 
three weeks in, I decided, eh, you know, I, I kind of like to eat a few meals with people or something. So I signed up for a five-day cooking class in Tuscany. So cool. That yeah. sounds amazing. And it was. We were on this little farm and, you know, we ate everything you, you cooked. And then you got to take some trips with the people that were taking it. And we drank the wine that was made at this farm and had their olive oil. So it was great. It was, it was fantastic. And it was, I'm still in contact with people that I met that we cooked together and the woman who owns the, the cooking school. And then you know, I went another two weeks and then I was also feeling like, eh, you know, I'm a little bit lonely again. Maybe I should try to take, you know, get on a group trip for a couple of days. And so I found a, a tour of the lake country in, in Italy. And again, that was like another five days. And that I was actually more worried about than traveling by myself. Cause you never know who's going to be on these bus tours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you could hate the people. <laughs> and then you're, no. You could, and, and yeah, but they turned out to be fantastic people. We had a great time. Again, I'm still in contact with some of them, and so I, that's. I think that's the way I like to travel. You know, go spend time by yourself, see the things you want to see, not worry about what everyone else wants to do, when they want to do it, how they want to do it. Are they going to sleep in? Are they going to make me miss something? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know, go go do some organized things as well, just to kind of balance it out and give you some company how do you handle the language um duolingo so you did you tried to learn some italian oh i was pretty good i mean i had no problems i spoke italian as much as possible did you know any before your trip no i better french than because i had learned that way back and then just you know in high school and when i spent time in france i picked up more french and then in college i studied german so you know, I just try to learn things as I go, and it's it's interesting. I like languages. I was just reading a book this past week called Ultra Learning, and I'm looking up the Scott Young, and that's what I was trying to remember who. I, <laughs> I like ultra marathons. Amy does ultra learning. I mean, we're friends, but different interests. <laughs> so, so ultra learning was really cool, but it talks about basically how you learn anything and like the metacognitive skills and everything else, but they start with language and how, and there's some people at the beginning of the book that have like taught themselves 20, 30 languages functionally very quickly. And the skills that they've used to pick up language fast so that they can do just what you did, Tammy, just travel and be immersed in the culture as quickly as possible instead of, you know, five years of classroom learning kind of thing. So you could ask about the red shoes in your closet at home that you don't have. So that's, I you know, that's questions like, do you like to go dancing at the discotheque? I don't don't want to go dancing at the discotheque. I want to know where the bread and the wine is. Yeah. (laughs) In any country I go to, point me at the cheese, the bread and the wine. and I'm a happy girl. Yeah. (laughs) So, so Tammy, in, you know, when you started traveling and everything else, have you had a time like so i was in mexico years ago i spent four weeks there and i at the end i got really sick i had a hamburger that turned me off hamburgers for like two and a half years but have you ever had a a a time when you're traveling on these trips where you've had to kind of figure out where you know if you had a traveler travel person and the reason i'm asking is because i imagine some of our listeners are like 
I want to do it, but here's the reasons I can't. And you talk yourself out of it. And the reason I'm asking is not to put you on the spot, but, but for people who are, who are finding obstacles on why they can't do it, what are some of the challenges and how have you solved them in traveling like this? Well, well, language and culture are definitely two. I mean, I happen to like, I mean, I love Europe. I will go anywhere in Europe. I have tra traveled in Asia for work before, and it just, it didn't suit me that much. That's not to say I won't go back because, you know, I'd like to explore more. So I, I think, you know, if people are feeling they, you know, the language is going to hold them back, learn some basic phrases. I have in my, how do I move to the guide part? I have 25 key you know, words and phrases that you should know, you mm -hmm. know, from where is the police station to just, you know, yes, please, or, you know, thank you very much. And most people are very, very happy if you, you know, try to speak their language. And then, you know, usually if they see you've tried, they'll also try to meet you halfway and try to practice their English. Mm -hmm. I remember when I was in Paris, um, I did a, I did two small study abroad semesters, one in Mexico and another in London. And we had a weekend, we took the channel across to Paris and it was great. But one of the things my professor said, and it was something that I've gone back to so many times, he said, Parisians, you know, it's not that they're rude. Right. He said they're more like New Yorkers. You have to think of and I, I get along fine with New Yorkers because it's a different I you know, New Yorkers are like like they said, there's a difference between being what what do they say? Friendly, you know, where where people sometimes on the East Coast are moving along fast and they're not gonna stop and just chit chat all day. But, you know, I've seen video of it where like if, if somebody's at the subway and they've got a stroller, uh, somebody's just gonna walk by, pick up the stroller, help you get it up the stairs, may never introduce themselves and just keep walking because that's just how the city functions. And, you know, in Paris, it's it's that type of more of a, a quicker city culture. And yes, I mean, Paris has has some of, you know, the reputation, but I did find that one, if I made an effort to speak the language, people were understanding and that's, it just took effort. And, you know, I had to expect more like talking more to like New York than Kansas, kind of, you know, they, they were not going to sit and chit chat with me all day, which is fine, because I'm from the East Coast. And I honestly don't want to sit and chit chat either. But <laughs> I had a great conversation with the French waiter. And he was every possible, like everything you would think a French waiter would be he was he was, you know, condescending and everything else. But having a different perspective, I helped me interpret what I was getting back. Like it, maybe it's the it's not me, it's you kind of thing. And that was fine. Like, you're going to just, that's how you're going to be. I don't know. And I, I think that was just a long tangent and I apologize. But I, I do find it interesting, the different culture, like the, the getting in there and trying to learn the language and talking to different people, but understanding the different perspectives, even within the country. And Tammy, your videos that I've watched have a lot of history and culture sort of built into the, the how do I move to, you know, it seems important to you that people have a, a wider understanding of where they're traveling beyond just, I want to go to an all-inclusive resort in Cancun, you know? Is that is that because you have a passion for history and culture? Do you feel like it's improved your traveling to know more about where you're going? Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I think you kind of, 
it helps to know where they're coming from and uh, why they think the way they do. You know, what is their, you know, how is their government run? How, how is their health care system? How, how is their transportation system? Do most people drive or do more people take, you know, public transportation? Um, just there's so many important things that are, that people don't think about before they travel, but you should. Because it's all part of what makes a country, you know, a good or bad place to live. How do you gather your ideas for your guides? I have, uh, I had a team, but now I'm down to about two researchers who help do all the research. And then I organize it into like, you know, both the podcast script, the YouTube video, and then there's, uh, you know, considerably more information included in the guide. So, you know, it's just getting all those, getting pictures into them where you know we're on the youtube and guide but it's you know having finding and having researchers that you trust and having making sure they quote their sources <laughs> what kind of responses have you gotten to those guides has it changed your direction in terms of how you create new ones i have standardized them more now so at the beginning it was kind of you know oh here's some questions i kind of like the answers to and now i have a set list of headings that i want you know these headings are the necessary i mean from what is the climate to you know what is the population like how is poverty how are the elderly and disabled treated especially you know if you're thinking of retiring somewhere and you find out that there's no assisted living in these countries because people rely on family and you don't have family there Mm -hmm. it might not be a good country to move to these questions have never occurred to me i mean i have never i would never have thought this deeply about the long-term implications of moving. I mean, I guess I would if I was really seriously considering it, but have you used friends or acquaintances who have moved to another country to pick their brains about like what their experiences have been? I'm just so curious. Not yet. I'm trying to. Like, I put on the end uh, of all of them, if you or someone you know has lived in a country and would like to be interviewed, um, I'm you know, open to anybody who's lived overseas or who helps people move overseas. You know, maybe someone who has a company that, you know, moves people or a lawyer who helps with paperwork because there's always a lot of paperwork with visas and all of that to move. I'd love to have them on, you know, my you know, podcast and YouTube channel just to, um, one, help promote them, but two, also to give that extra information to people um, looking to, to relocate. Well, and I, more it's I, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's more relevant than a lot of people think too, right? Because many people, I think, think of it as a pipe dream, but the reality is more and more they're seeing as, as baby boomers are aging and retiring and retirement savings are not equal to the cost of living. Many people are starting to thinking of emigrating to lower cost countries. And that's a movement that's really just starting. And I think as the boomers retire more fully, and Gen X, who has even probably less in savings than the boomers, that there's really going to start to be a conversation about, you know, you know, the 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 snowbird is going to get reimagined, and it's it's you know because just the retirement arbitrage of being able to move to a current a lower cost currency, a lower cost standard of living to stretch retirement dollars that maybe just won't support you here in the states, and that's probably a whole other conversation, but still living a life that you might, you know, a full life of 
a rich life and you're just your 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 buying power is going to go a lot further in some countries than other countries is that something that you've you've seen a little bit tammy definitely because just from one of the more basic ones is healthcare. a lot of countries you know even if i moved you know to another country a lot of countries will let me participate in their health care for a lot lower than I will pay here in the U.S. And as you get older, you know, you like you said, you have you want to make whatever savings you had last for as long as possible. So if I could go from spending twenty thousand dollars a year in healthcare to spending twelve hundred and having everything covered, then that's a huge consideration to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. What's yeah. a good place to retire to? Where can I send my dad so I can go travel and visit him? Portugal. Okay. It's hey, wait, this is the second time it's come up. It, it, that's done. It's Portugal. <laughs> really? Portugal, they have a golden visa program. So, and while they still have it, it's, you know, they, it's a better path to citizenship and um, residency there. Um, the weather is great. There's old world architecture. There's fantastic food. Beaches, if you like beaches. Golfing, if you like to golf. They have good wine. And close to everywhere else. <laughs> wine. Or, yeah. So, Amy, I want to ask her about wine. Mm-hmm. Do you have? Do you want to ask any more questions about how I moved to before I no. redirect? I need to ask about the wine. <laughs> so, you're an author. Besides being a podcaster and a travel guru, you wrote, you've written three books and two of them are now a series. Are you working on a third in that series? Yeah. And okay. Can you explain the, the series of books? Okay. So the first book was a standalone book. I hope to make it part of a series. And that was called the Navarre Brotherhood. And that was about, that is about the search for the missing Knights Templar treasure. So it starts in New York and goes up to Scotland and then down through France. And it has to do with Knights Templar and then this organization called the Navarre Brotherhood. And there's lots of twists and turns and like who are the good guys, who are the bad guys, and lots of excitement and an adventure. But that took a lot of time to research. It's a 400-page book and I pulled a lot of historical uh, details because I do love history into it. And again, I, I totally plan on writing more of that. And then I started um, a new series, and it's the Wine Tasting Mystery Series. Um, And it's about, you know, it's a cozy mystery, so it's nice and clean. And um, a a former Boston police detective who had to retire and was kind of lost in her life has reconnected with friends at their 20th high school reunion. And, you know, murder and mayhem ensue, and um, she meets all types of new friends and drinks a lot of wine with her friends. And it's, it's, it's just a lot of fun. And one of her friends owns a vineyard and ends up giving her a job. So the, this, the book that I just finished, and I'm currently in the editing stage, is about her job at the vineyard. And it's called Vineyards Can Be Murder. So, Why did you um, choose a vineyard? Do you enjoy going yourself? Oh, I love visiting vineyards. Um, I, <laughs> just from like walking around and seeing the, the sites and the, the vines and, you know, talking to the people and, learn, you know, finding out was it a family farm or how they come to it and do they grow their own grapes or do they, do they source grapes from elsewhere? And, and just listening to how they speak about it and what their passion is. Because you, you get some people who are just so excited and, and just want to talk about, you know, their process and what they do. And if they're coming up with, you know, if they're planting new grapes and trying, you know, new types to, to, to farm and to 
just share with the world. It's, it's fantastic. I love just talking to people about that. Have you explored some of the vineyards in your travels over in Europe, over in Italy and uh, France? Oh yeah, that was part of it. <laughs> when I was in Italy, I tried like almost in every region to go to a vineyard or, you know, more than one. When we were on the wine, it was a wine tasting, but it was also the cooking tour. They took us in the afternoon after we cooked and ate our food and drank their wine. They took us to various vineyards around the area and different towns so that we got a, a good mix of the culture and different families and how they all approach their wine. It's fascinating on how they approach approach wine, and you know, even where the where the location of the the vines are on the hillside determines the quality of the wine. And you know, you're not gonna, you know, with the minerality and everything else. I found it so interesting to learn that the location of the vine on the hill matters so much of the quality of of the wine you're gonna get from it. Yeah, we I had um I was over on the uh eastern side on the Adriatic in Pescara in Italy and I just found, you know, a brochure saying, "Oh, come, you know, I'll take you to a couple fam small family-owned, you know, wineries that aren't on like big tours." And it was really interesting. You'd walk into something that was basically like somebody's barn. And they'd have these giant vats where they did the fermenting and, and storing. And while we were there, you'd talk to the people who had been in their family. They'd grown. And I remember one of the times these people came in and they had a, a giant box filled with all these empty jugs. And we're like, well, and then, the, you know, they gave the jugs to the, the people at the winery. And the people at the winery went over and they started filling up the jugs. And the people in the tour were like, well, what's happening here? And they said, oh, well, you know. This is like table wine. So you come and you fill up your gallon jug and you pay five euros. And then you come back next week when your jugs are empty and you pay to get them refilled again. Yeah. It and, and the, the whole table wine part is just fascinating, especially from like Italy. And, you know, um, with uh, like Ernest and Giulio Gallo, like the Gallo wineries, right? And that's like, that's the whole idea of wine being part of the family and bringing it over here. And, you know, and now like, you know, look what they've built here. But that that, that table wine and wine is such a part of the the family and the community and the getting together. You know, I, I love, yeah, you're speaking to my soul. Just the, the whole idea of friendship and family and, you know, travel, and then you're writing on top of it. So you're, you're living my dream. But I'm curious if actually, if we could just sidestep a little bit onto your writing process itself, because I think many of us, like, you know, the one day we're going to be an author thing. I can't be the only one that, like, someday I want to be an author. But how do you, can you talk a little bit about your story ideas? Like, do you, does it come to you? Do you sketch the whole thing out? Do you start writing it? Are you writing it while you travel? Like, how, how is your writing process um, incorporated with your travel, if at all? And it's not really with my travel as much. I've done other writing, like content writing for different companies where I'll write blog posts or articles for people. And I've specialized in the um, travel and wine niches just mm -hmm. because those are my biggest, um, you know, my biggest passions. But I also write about animal welfare because that was my very first when I decided I want to be a writer. This is what I'm going to do. And I started a blog. 
and I knew nothing about blogging and I knew nothing about setting up a website or WordPress or any of that. So I just, I just did it. I'm like, okay, let's figure it out. So I, you know, I bought my domain name. I, and then I just started thinking about different ideas. Like what about animal welfare? What, what pisses me off or what makes me happy? What can I you know, celebrate or what can you try to shine a light on so that you can change? And so I was putting out probably um, at least a blog a week for a mm -hmm. while. And over the course of a couple of years, I, it grew pretty, pretty nicely. I had almost, almost 20,000 subscribers. Good for you. Wow. But it didn't make, it didn't make any money. So I still keep that Facebook page alive and I can still write about I, I, shorter topics on there. And I write as a volunteer for a local dog and cat shelter in um, Ashford, Connecticut. So, so I keep that writing alive, but it, it helped me start the process. Like, so what else do you like? And I like, you know, I like traveling, I like wine. So I started another blog where I talked about that and moving overseas. And that was called um, Expat Writer. Like, so it was more about how do I become an expatriate writer? <laughs> I just, I can I just pause idea. for right there, there, just for, just so our listeners, because I think what you're saying is so important and I don't want to gloss over it too quickly because I think many of us, and I speak for myself, so maybe it's just me, but the analysis paralysis and feeling like we have to know every single detail before we can start, you know, the, 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 well, how am I going to, you know, do every single part of the trip and tip the person on the way out? And if I don't have every answer before I start, I can't possibly start. And, you know, you've said it a few times as you wove it through that story. I didn't know all the answers. I just got started and then I figured it out as I went along. And some things worked and it didn't work, but it led me, you know, led you further down the path. You know, yeah, you built a blog and it had 20,000. That was great. And you're like, but that doesn't make money. So that's not exactly what I want to do. So now I'm going to tweak it this way. And I think giving ourselves the permission to just start when we don't have all the answers because you're never going to have and if you force yourself to try to have all the answers, you're never going to start and you're not going to know what you don't know until you start. And so I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you on that, but that is, it's, it's such an important thing and it takes courage to start anything and, you know, understanding in ourselves that we're not going to have it all figured out, whether it's travel, whether it's writing a book, whether it's, you know, wine and food, like, you know, going on your trip, you're like, well, now I need people. So how am I going to do that? And now I want to learn this. How am I going to do that? So I just think that's awesome. Yeah. It's, um, and, and you just have to do it because, you know, so way back, not quite 20 years ago, um, I owned a gym before I did any, you know, any design. That was my first like entrepreneurial thing. And it was slow. And it was one of those ladies only gyms. And it was in a bad section of Massachusetts. Actually, and not, not a bad section, just not a very, it was an economically depressed section. So there weren't a lot of people with money to, you know, so I had free time. <laughs> so at the time I was like, I had always thought I kind of wanted to do some writing so the very first thing I wrote was a screenplay and, and, you know, I did, I said, you know, I read everything they said, what to do, how to promote it, how to get it bought. Obviously it was never optioned, but 
I entered it into contests and I got a lot of you know good feedback and people liked it. it they just didn't buy it. So, you know, whatever. But then I thought, well, okay, so screenplays are a little bit harder. Like you either have to have someone buy it or nobody hears it or sees it or reads it. So let's try books. That's well, you know, I, in 2010, I was unemployed actually. And while I was unemployed, I decided, okay, let's start the book. You've got free time, you know, spend half my day looking for a job. And the other half, I just sat down and wrote. And that's where um, the Navarre Brotherhood came from. That was, like I said, four years of research and, and writing and, and it wasn't all planned out at the front. Like I had a general idea of what I wanted. I knew I wanted to talk about the Knights Templar, their treasure, but I wasn't really sure how it was going to end or who the bad guy would. So I just started writing and then for a little bit, I put it down and I thought about it for a while. And then I, I just had this like, ooh, like a, an epiphany almost where you're like, oh, this is where the book's going. And at that point, I sat down and finished it in a month because like you sometimes just have to get some thoughts down to see where you, you know, what you like and what you don't like. And if sometimes you end up deleting chapters at a time because you're like, that doesn't fit in with my final vision. Have you read The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield? Have you heard of this book? I've heard of it, but I haven't read it. So The War of Art, he talks about resistance, the resistance that gets us from, it's really our, our, what stops us from doing a lot of these things. And, but he, the same thing where he sits down and really one of the first things is you have to treat yourself as a professional. Just like you said, like I sit down and I write it and I just write. And if I have to throw away some of the stuff, that's okay. That's what I do. But I, you know, I'm not going to sit there and just wait for the perfect word to come through my fingers and, you know, just stare at the screen, which I think a lot of us, my, and this, and I say a lot of us, me, I mean me, this is what I do. But, and so he wrote a whole, and it's a very short book. It, it It's very interesting, you know, a little play on the art of war, but it's the war of art in the battle within ourselves to try to get this stuff out and what, what is really holding us back. So yeah, that, that reminded me of that. So you may enjoy that in the sitting down and in, in that part of it. Cause it sounds like you've conquered the resistance. Tammy, how does one get the book published? I can type on a word document all day. I can write you all kinds of stuff, but then, then what? Uh, well, I self publish. I use um, Amazon. Um, it used to be create space. So once you get it down, they have so much information on how to self-publish your book. Um, and I'm also on a bunch of different um, writers groups on Facebook. And I, you know, I read everything from people who have gotten traditional publishing deals to those who self-publish. And I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm going to stay at, I mean, I haven't even submitted to publishers yet. Um, because people talk about the control that you get to keep. And you keep more of the profits and you have more control over your covers and your content and how it gets promoted and who it gets promoted to and different types of events you can go to or giveaways. So Amazon, it's uh, Kindle Direct Publishing, I believe it's called. They, they have videos like telling you how to format your book so that you can upload it easily into into their program and they'll just flow it right out and then you can preview it. And then I found uh, book cover designers or my, the designer that I use on Upwork. So mm -hmm. I just put, you know, put a, posted a job there for a cover designer, a book designer, and looked at all the different bids that came in and looked at their their material, things that they had produced and decided which one was best for me. And then, I mean, it's really 
it's very simple to do it. I, at first I had budgeted all this money. I was going to pay somebody to, to format it and put it in and then design all this other stuff. And I, you know, it could cost thousands of dollars to do that. And again, I said, well, try it yourself. If you can't do it, then you can pay someone, but why not try it first? You're not going to ruin it. It's, you know, you keep your file. So when I realized how staggeringly easy it is, um, it's, it's just worth trying. Like, you, if you have even a, a small pamphlet that you want to publish, you can just, you know, sign up. You can use your Amazon account to set up an author account and you can upload something within 10 minutes. It's absolutely brilliant. It's so exciting to know that that's a possibility. I know you're traveling this summer. Are you going to use it for inspiration for another book? <laughs> um, I'm not sure because like I said, if this is going to be a camping summer, which I'm not much of a camper. Um, Come on, murder in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> Well, because she has to keep her job at the vineyard. So that's, it's kind of, you know. Let's say um, she's traveling with a friend and the friend is a pain to travel with. It's, I have, yeah, I have definitely a couple other ideas. It doesn't have to be for this series. So it's, you know, I will definitely use the material for something. And we, part of our trip will be out west, west, west. And um, I requested that we go to now. I'm curious about whether you're still blogging. Um, Eden, our producer, was just popping in saying that she has a recommendation. Medium is a site that you can post a blog and it can be monetized after a certain amount of likes or reads on the blog. I, how, how, I'm just curious how long ago your other um, blog was and if you could transfer your fan base over there. It might be something to consider. Better family traveler listeners. Um, Tammy has been a trooper for this. This is our second attempt to, to talk with her. And she has been phenomenal. And I imagine we were going to have her back as a guest because she is such a wealth of knowledge, Kathleen. Um, it's it's really she's, cool. She's a yes person like we are. And yeah. I I think that her fearlessness and her um, bravery with just taking on endeavors and not being deterred by changes in plan. I don't even want to say failure because I don't think I would categorize any of her transitions as failures. I think she takes on a, an idea, turns it into a project and then it grows and, and takes yeah. it, bran it branches. And so she, she just goes with the branches. And I just think that is such an amazing personality trait and it's taken her across the world, which is amazing. Well, because things do grow and change, right? I mean, this goes back to a text I sent you today. And we've kind of, we, you and I have been kind of like ships passing in the night recently. We're in a busy part of our, our time, but we're starting to talk to, to people, you know, women and people on business. And so like looking to see, you know, focus on, 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 is is our is our podcast changing tone? We're still talking about travel and to make sure that we're bringing to to our better family travelers what 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 they're tuning in for. And you know, we, you and I started this you know over you know pool time over last pandemic summer, and as we come out of the pandemic, you know, is our our focus not necessarily changing. I don't think it's changing. It's evolving. And to make sure that, you know, 
get together. And so the talk of maybe, I love the idea of, of a sabbatical and to refocus and to be strong in content. And because, and this goes back to Tammy on what she's doing and you know, she she started some of her adventures one way. She started blogging about animals, and then she's evolved. So I, I just think that's really inspiring to say, like, yes. I am not pigeonholing myself. I have discovered other things, and this is where my path, my travel, my journey to, like, hit the metaphor to death with a hammer has taken me. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that's 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 a whole bunch of words that really aren't, and, you know, for our, our listeners, it's not an announcement or anything else, but we we feel the evolution in some of the stuff we're talking about, and we're enjoying it. We're enjoying these conversations um, that we're having with people. And I hope that I hope that listeners also get that feeling like, um, you know, these all these different lives that people lead are all, allow you to see how many doors are still unopened, you know, Maybe we haven't considered the the idea of self-publishing, not a book. I mean, she, she said a pamphlet. Like, you've got a couple of good ideas or something you want to share. I, I can think of five people I know who have amazing wealth of knowledge about something that I would love to have them put together in a small printed resource. I mean, this is something people can do now, um, but but leisurely you can do it you can do it here you can do it in your backyard you can travel and write no. there's you know you can do two things at once well and not to get too far off topic but some of the things i'm i've been thinking about you know clearly we're in a time of rapidly accelerating change as a society right like so much of what we're seeing is the rapid acceleration of change and there's there's studies that show that i think it takes something like 12 years for people to like adapt to something new and at the pace of change is like 18 months and accelerating so the disconnect we're feeling as a society without getting too far uh, we're feeling the disconnect because as a, as a, our human brains cannot adapt to change this fast so that's the downside plus side is we're, we're democratizing a lot of these things and we're making it accessible so that you don't have to, I mean, when I was in my twenties, I was trying to get myself published and Julia Boyce, who was on when farmers take flight, that's one of the reasons we bonded so much in writers groups and trying to get young adult novels published, but you know, trying to get out of the slush pile and making sure your book is exactly right. And I still like one of the books that I wrote, um, Baron Wolf's Walk in the Wilderness. And I still have it. I actually read it. And Maddie, another book that I wrote and I illustrated myself, it, Maddie brought it to school to show everybody. I'm like, oh God, okay. But, she, you know, I didn't realize 25 years ago or 20, yeah, 25 years ago, I wrote it for my daughter. Who knew that that's what I wrote? The, she, she loved it. It was like, that was the audience of one. So, you know, in doing these things, you don't have to write for the masses. You write for the niches. You write for the margins. We talked about this on another thing too. Like the niches is where it's at. You find your people, right? You're, everybody is not going to be your people and that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. Find your people, find your voice, speak your voice and you're out there, you're doing that. And these tools that we have, 
allow it to not be like, well, this is the mass market. Everybody's going to buy this or the, you know, but, but the, the early adopters, the niches, the people who are going to love it, they are going to get out there and you're going to find your people with your voice, you know, using your voice. And then I I like the idea too, that we have power to use our voices. I mean, we're very fortunate to live in the day and age that we do when we're we are encouraged and allowed to use our voices. And I think we're in a time period now where there's a very accessible moment for change. There's availability for change right now that these periods of time in history come and they go, but we are at a a massive global transition where change is inevitable. Mm -hmm. And there's not a lot of prescribed direction for that change today. As we move forward, those directions will become more prescribed and we'll know where technology and education and gender rights and, you know, immigration, uh, welfare. I mean, the things that are right now on the table mm-hmm. are, are balanced precariously. And anyone who has thoughts and ideas that can get those ideas out there are going to tip those scales in one direction or the other. Um, and I think people should know how available the medium is yeah, to make I- that change happen. Absolutely. And so my dear, wonderful friend, (laughs) who I really only get to see mostly on our podcast chats, we need to have a conversation about all of these things, about what we're bringing to our Better Family Travelers and some of the content over the summer. And yes, we have... We've, we've talked about it. We've had ideas and I hope, and thank you all of you who have been our, the growing listeners. I've had people coming up to me talking about what they like about it and what they've tuned in to listen to. And it really means a lot because I know that you and I have worked, you know, hard on this to try to try to bring things of value to people out there because that's what we're trying to do so um thank you to everyone who's listening supporting us and participating it's like the most amazing community ever (laughs) and thank you to clovercrest media for publishing us and producing us and editing and hooking us up with all the knowledge that we need um because we didn't do it all on our own like tammy did but um they're definitely the people to go to if you're looking for some support to get started because they are amazing and we do want to thank tammy and i do feel bad that she dropped off slightly before we could say goodbye to her but we will have her on again and we will put in the show notes for this or in our facebook group where they people can learn more about tammy her youtube channel her own podcast and her books and all the amazing things that she is up to and hopefully people take a a a chapter from her book or um right like that is that good is that good no no but but just get started you're you just i i i am taking that away that is definitely something that i go through fits and starts but just start you won't have it all figured out you know when you hit the you'll hit the problem and you'll figure it out and you know you'll get further down the road you can't 
analyze the entire thing and have it all mapped out before you start, because then you never will get started. I would like to thank you for joining us on Better Family Travel and being part of the CMG Podcast Network. You can find us at clovercrossmedia.com and make sure to visit our website at betterfamilytravel.com for the latest tips, trends, stories, and adventures that meet your family's needs. And make sure you follow us on social media at Better Family Travel. For Better Family Travel, I'm Amy. I'm Kathleen. Happy travels.